We are continuing this month uh, with our sermon series, The Guardian. The Guardian. It's, it's a lesson, uh, uh, it's a sermon series about the covering of God and the covering that God provides uh, for his people. L- last week, Pastor Dan, he did an excellent job laying the foundation, and he talked about the protection and the anointing and the favor of God is all found under the covering of God. I, I was listening and I was reminded of the story in Exodus when God himself was a covering for his people as he led them through the wilderness. The Bible says that, that during the day he was a cloud to cover them from the heat and at night he was a pillar of fire to cover them and to protect them. And That's the God that we serve. He's a God that is faithful, a God that is protective over his children. We read in Psalms 121, Uh, Starting in verse 3, it says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And that's comforting today that God is watching over us. Sometimes we feel like we go through things alone. Sometimes we feel like no one sees what we might be experiencing or going through. And the Bible says that it's God that watches over us. uh, That God, he protects us. He doesn't leave us exposed to the enemy's attacks, and he truly knows what's going on within our lives. In verse 5, it says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night, and the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. That's good news tonight. I really enjoy um, watching uh, the Survivor shows, right? If you've seen them on cable or YouTube and you see these individuals and they're put in some kind of extreme situation and, and they have to build a shelter, they have to hunt their food and, and survive, right? And when I watch these shows, understand that I'm not watching just to be entertained. I'm taking notes, believe it or not. I wasn't raised a royal ranger, so if I ever find myself in the wilderness or in the desert, uh, I want to know what I'm doing. I want to know how to make it out uh, alive. And, and one of the things that they, that they always stress is to first either find or build a shelter. Find and build yourself a shelter uh, to get out of the elements, to, to get out of the rain or the snow or, or to get out of the, the heat uh, and, and to be safe from any kind of predators that would want to attack. My son, he did grow up a Royal Ranger, and it cracks me up because uh, my wife would say, mijo, be careful doing this, or mijo, watch out. And he would say, mom, I'm a Royal Ranger. I've been taught how to I've been taught how to shoot guns, light fires, build shelters, and all these things, and it cracks me up because, uh, you know, he has, right? Yeah. Thank God for our Royal Ranger ministry and our impact uh, uh, girls ministry. They make a huge difference in the lives of our children. But we do want to build a shelter because a, a shelter protects us, right? Protects those that are with us. And one of the strongest uh, coverings, uh, one of the strongest shelters that God has established to protect us from the world, uh, from its ungodly influence, from the assaults of the enemy, is the covering 
and the shelter that comes that is found in a family, primarily uh, the parental covering over that family. And tonight I want to talk about a parent's protection, a parent's protection. I thank God for uh, parents. I thank God for my parents. I thank God for godly parents. We just had uh, an awesome weekend, our Mother's Day weekend, and it started Friday evening in our prayer central, and I was listening to the testimonies, and, and people were uh, talking about the joy and the blessing they have found in being a parent. I was listening to the mothers on Sunday, and they were talking about uh, what they've endured as parents and, and the hardships they might have faced, and, but yet uh, they were talking, uh, some were talking about their sons and their daughters and how blessed they are to see them serving God, active uh, and fruitful in the things of God. I know that being a parent can be challenging, especially in this day and age. Uh, the roles and the responsibilities that you have as a parent to, to overcome the pressures and the assaults and the obstacles that uh, the world brings, that the enemy brings. There's countless of books written about parenthood how-to and instructions and what to expect when expected and all of these books. But the truth is, is that uh, the greatest uh, example and the greatest uh, instructions that we can receive as parents and how to be a father or how to be a, a mother can be found in God's Word. It can be found in the Word of God and can be found in God's example. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 9, it says this, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. He says, teach them to your children and to their children after them. Teach them. That's our first uh, uh, mandate is to teach them. The, our children, we are to be our, our children's uh, teachers. In fact, parents, you're the first teacher your child is going to learn from. I was listening to a podcast and a psychologist, he was talking about how crucial in the life of a child are the ages from zero, newborn, to five years old. And he was saying how important these uh, years are and that uh, they're gone before you know it. And once they're gone, you don't get them back. That it's in this stage that, that these children, they're, they're, they're sponges, just soaking everything that a parent has to teach them. They're developing, they're learning, they're, and, and the foundation that is being laid in their lives at that early of an age, it stays with them uh, way into their adulthood years. That's why if you're blessed to, to be a stay-at-home mom or dad, that's a blessing that you're able to be with your children in that time. I know when my wife and I got married, one of the first things she says is, uh, if we have any kids, I'm staying home with them. She was a single mother prior to us getting married, and, and so she had to work to support her daughter, and, and she uh, didn't get that chance to stay home. And she said, but, but if we do have children, and we did, she says, I want to stay home with them. And it was a sacrifice that we made. It was, yes, a financial sacrifice, but God always met the need. My wife, she had to postpone her education, but God blessed her, in her in, in, later on and was able to accomplish what she wanted. 
And I tell you what, uh, I am, as a father, so blessed that, that my wife had those years to be with the kids, being that foundation for them, being that example to them, being that, that teacher to them. I was uh, telling my, uh, my wife and, and, and some others that uh, when my kids were small, I was working, right? You know, so constantly at, at work, and I might have missed a, a lot. But during this um, pandemic that we had a couple years ago, I uh, had the opportunity to be at home with my uh, two, two younger kids. And I was so blessed because I had now this, this time, this little window that God had given me to be there with them, to uh, do things with them, to interact with them, to help them out, to get up in the morning and, and uh, take some time in prayer for them. And I felt like what I might have missed when they were small, I, I got a little taste of it, you know, now that they're older and, and uh, right about to begin to start their adulthood, their adult lives. See, the lessons that you as a parent teach your children, it will stay with them throughout their lives. Even as adults, it will stay with them. And even as adults, you and I can still learn from the lessons our parents have taught us. We can learn from their influence, from their wisdom, from their knowledge, from their insight. We don't know it all. Amen? And our parents have experienced some things. Our parents have, have had some things they've gone through and they've learned some things and, and it's okay that we can come to our parents and, and say, hey mom, hey dad, what do you think about this? Is this something I'm experiencing? Is this something I'm going through? It's precious what they have to say, even if we've heard it a thousand times, maybe don't want to hear what they have to say, we would be wise to still be open to our parents' instruction. I was uh, listening to an interview with Shaquille O'Neal the big Shaq Diesel, right? The big Aristotle. And uh, he was talking about his father. And just by the way he was talking about his dad, you, you can sense the love, the admiration, and the respect he had for this man. He says that he owes everything uh, to his father. The man that he is today, he owes it to his father. And he was saying that early in his career, when he was playing with the Magic, he, he had a really bad night. Horrible night. Called his dad and he says, uh, Dad, you know, uh, I, I had a bad night and the pressure really got to me tonight. The pressure of the game. And his dad, rather than being sympathetic, was annoyed with Shaq. He says, you need to get on a plane and you need to come home right now. And so Shaq knew he was in trouble, right? And he flew home. This is a grown man playing in the NBA and he flew home. And his dad says, I want you to meet a family that I've been working with for these past few uh, uh, months now. And he took them to a family that was homeless, introduced them uh, to Shaq, and he told his son, he says, do you want to know what pressure is? Pressure is not knowing where you're going to get your next meal. Pressure is a father who doesn't know if his children are going to be able, are going to be taken away from him or not. Pressure is a father and a mother who doesn't know where their children are going to sleep tonight. He said, that is what pressure is. And Shaquille said that he was humbled. He was humbled. 
and uh, he took it upon himself to help this family, but he learned from his father humility and the reality of how blessed he was to be in a position that he was in. And sometimes, church, we, we feel like we got it tough. We got it hard. We got to understand that God has blessed us tremendously. God has put his favor on us, uh, and God has given us uh, faithful men and women into our lives that we can learn from, that we can glean from, that we can uh, be influenced by, godly men and women. The book of Deuteronomy, once again, chapter 6, verses 3 through 9. It says, listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must, underline, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. See, the Bible mandates that parents teach their children the word of God. It's not an option. The Bible says you must, you must commit yourself to doing these things, to teaching your children about the things of God, about the Word of God, how the Word of God is a light unto our feet, a guide into our path, how the Word of God is a strength to us when we're weary, how the Word of God will keep us from stumbling, how the Word of God will bring healing into our lives, how the Word of God will bring prosperity and blessings into our lives as we follow the Word of God. He says, you don't have that option. you got to teach your children these things. But we can't teach what we haven't learned. And we can't expect from our children what we haven't modeled ourselves. See, the time of uh, do as I say and not as I do, it's done. Thank you, sister. It's, maybe when the kids were smaller, just do it. But as they get older, well, why? How come you're not? Ouch. Our words, they carry so much more weight when we are living them, when we're living them. We know that in the God's word that there is blessings and there's healing, but there's safety and there's protection and there's security in God's word. And the greatest way that we can show value of God's word and the value in God's word is by living according to God's word to the best of our abilities. None of us here are perfect. The best way that we can show our sons and daughters that we serve a loving God, a gracious God, a forgiving God, a merciful God, is that when we make mistakes, when we fall short, uh, when we totally blow it, we repent. We ask God for his forgiveness. And we keep going forward for God. And we keep pressing on for God. And we don't give up. And we don't quit. 
That's an example to our children that even though mom and dad aren't perfect and even though they might make mistakes, they're still pressing for God and they're still loving God and they're not turning back. And that's an impact that, makes, uh, that is made into their lives. When uh, you ever been on an airplane, what's the first thing that they do as you're starting to taxi out is the uh, flight attendant will come out and begin to go over the uh, safety rules and precautions where the exits are, and it seems like no one's paying attention to that, right? But one thing that uh, they'll say is that if, uh, for whatever reason, the uh, airplane loses cabin pressure and, and it drops, and those uh, oxygen masks drop, that what you're supposed to do is uh, not only how to put them on, but if you're a parent with a small child, you got to put it on first, and it seems like counterintuitive, right? Like, well, I want to make sure that my child is safe, and I want to make sure that they're okay. But the reasoning behind that is, is that you putting on that mask first, or the parent putting on that mask before the child, is that if you're incapacitated, you're no help to that child. If, you can't, if you're not uh, uh, able to help that child, then who is? And so, as parents... We're the examples, and as parents, we need to be committed to the things of God and in our, our word and in prayer, because our children are depending on that, because our children often don't know how to fight. They're learning how to fight. I'm talking about not in the physical, but in the spiritual. They're learning how to pray. They're learning how to dig in. They're learning how to seek God, and they're learning by the example that the parent is setting. When, when the funds are tight, uh, does the household begin to panic or do they seek God? When a tragedy hits, are they seeing their parents panic and freak out or are they seeing their parents get a hold of God? See, in order for parents to be an effective covering over their children, parents also must maintain their spiritual walk with God. In the book of 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. It says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, the Bible says we need to continue. If it gets hard, continue. In times of blessings, continue. In times of uncertainty, continue. It doesn't say pull back. It says continue, press on, continue in those things that you have learned. All right, we have a school here at New Harvest uh, Christian um, Church. It's uh, New Harvest Christian School. My, all my kids went through the school, and they all finished through, 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 the, through the schooling here and the curriculum here. And one thing that impressed me with the curriculum is that uh, with every book, they have what's called a memory verse, right? They have to <clears throat> learn the memory verse. And I would hear my kids uh, going over it and, as they were smaller and reciting it and, and test me on this, Dad, and did I get it? And, you know, keep doing it. You got it. You, good job. And, and, and what was being taught was, was being committed to memory was that scripture, 
And we know that the word of God never returns void. And I, I, I would always tell my kids is that, look, when you go through things that you're not sure of, you need a reference back to those things that you were taught. You need a reference back to those memory verses. You need a reference back to what uh, your teachers were instructing you, to what your mom and dad have told you about the word of God. We need to constantly be referencing back uh, to the Bible, referencing back to the scriptures, talking to our children about the word of God. Sometimes it's easy to, you know, um, Bible thump for the lack of a better term, right? You know, you know what the Bible says. But sometimes when you just are able to talk with your child, you know, what does the Bible say about this? You know, you just started a new job. Honor God with the tithe. Let me tell you why. And begin to explain, begin to, I want to say almost kind of witnessing to your children, explaining to them. Don't take for granted that they grew up in the house of God and that they know everything about the Bible. Talk to them, explain to them, impart to them. See, the word of God, it needs to be studied, it needs to be taught, and most importantly, uh, it needs to be practiced. And that involves discipline, discipline for each and every one of us. Discipline is one of the greatest lessons that a parent can teach their children. And I'm not talking just about discipline when you uh, punish bad behavior or a rebellious attitude, uh, but discipline in teaching your children the value of self-control. There's a punitive discipline and there's a non-punitive discipline. And discipline isn't necessarily always about being punished, but it's disciplining yourself and having self-control in your life. Benjamin Franklin, he said this. He said, educate your children to self-control, to the habit of holding passion, prejudice, and evil tendencies subject to, the, to an upright and reasoning will. And when you have done much, and when you do that, you have done much to abolish misery from their future and crimes from their society. What Benjamin Franklin was talking about was raising responsible, productive members of society that are contri going to contribute to the world around them and not just be a burden to those around them. And you know what that does? That brings a parent peace of mind. Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind and make your heart glad. You know, there's, there's a blessing for a parent to see your child successful. There's a blessing and a joy and a pride that comes in a parent's life when they see their children accomplishing things in their lives. And you, as a parent, you set yourself up because their blessings are also your blessings. And when the child is young, uh, we, we, we do discipline our children. We do teach them not to hit, not to talk back, not to put their fingers in the electrical socket. We teach them these things for their protection. We teach them th these things so that uh, they grow up uh, right. And as they get older, we continue to teach them. We continue to explain and to reason with them why staying out to five in the morning is not a good idea. Yeah, but dad, 
we're, my wife and I, we're at a season right now where we're seeing uh, our children blessed right now. Our oldest daughter is married. <clears throat> she has uh, two beautiful little boys. You know, our, our, our middle child is growing in her education, and, and even our son is, we see that God is blessing him at his, at his job. My wife and I get to see that, and we're blessed uh, because of the good decisions that they've been making. They're blessed because they've been honoring God, and they've been putting God first, and as a result, uh, God has been moving in their lives. And, and parents, uh, when you see your children blessed, uh, you can rejoice in that. Uh, that's, the, that's your labor. That's the reward uh, of the prayers and the sacrifices that you've made, and we give God glory for that. We know it wasn't just us, praise God. We give God all the praise, honor, and glory for what he's doing in the lives of our children, and we continue to exhort them to continue to put God first within their lives. There's times when God will lead your son or your daughter into the wilderness. And there's times when God will allow them to set sail knowing that there's a storm on the horizon. And God will allow trial and tribulation uh, to come into their lives so that they can learn how to trust God, so that they can learn how to depend on God, so that they can learn how to run to God and not just mom and dad. And that means, parents, we need to be disciplined to get out of the way, to get out of the way and let God do what he's going to do in their lives. When we see, when God brings attention to our lives, areas in their lives that, man, are, are, that's a dark road that you might be leading down, that's dangerous, the decision you, you're about to make, then we, we, we step in. We, under the anointing and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we begin to talk to them and warn them as a concerned individual. Be careful. These are the consequences that could arise. Eli was a priest. And he had two sons, and he raised them in the temple of God, but Eli never disciplined them. And it wasn't like he didn't see what was going on, and it wasn't like it wasn't brought to his attention what was taking place in the lives of his sons, but he, dis he didn't discipline them. And the result is, is that his sons ended up dying both on the same day. See, if we love our children, we love our children, <clears throat> then we will risk being, getting angry at. We will risk getting them upset at us. Maybe them not even wanting to talk to us. But we will risk that because we love them and we will tell them what the word of God says and not compromise it to, and not uh, back down, but maintain that standard and maintain that discipline of uh, righteous living. Book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 11. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Amen. Later on, though, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. There is safety in living a disciplined life. There's a covering that comes over us uh, when we live a disciplined life, a godly disciplined life. God covers his people and he uses discipline as a shield uh, uh, to guard us from destructive uh, lifestyles and behaviors. We know that sin has a consequence. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We know that bad decisions have consequences. 
And at some point, each and every one of us here has had to suffer the consequence of a bad decision, right? The consequence of a mistake, right? But it's being able to learn from that mistake. And it's, it's allowing the Word of God to discipline us and teach us uh, and keep us from turning that mistake into a lifestyle. God lets us repent. I messed up. Forgive me. God, I'm sorry. And then to turn from that and to get back on a disciplined life. And we need to teach our children to have a healthy fear of God in their lives. Book of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. God is merciful, and he's loving, and he's gracious. But God is true to his word. The Bible says he will not lie. He is not mocked. And what we sow, we reap. So we need to impart into our children, you know, to have that healthy reverence for God, for the things of God. And one of the ways we are able to teach our children how to have a healthy fear of God is by teaching them how to honor and, uh, their mother and their father. Book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, as I said, it says, Children, obey your parents, because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise, that if you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you, and you will have long life on the earth. Verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And see, honoring your mother and father doesn't end when you become an adult. It doesn't end when you start paying your own bills and you tell your parents, you can't tell me what to do, I pay my own phone bill now. We honor our father and our mother until the Lord takes them home. And then we honor their memory and their legacy. And it says, for the fathers, not to ex um, provoke your child to anger. In other words, don't frustrate them. You know, talk with them. Be approachable. Speak with them. I, it's Little League season, and, and uh, I love my little grandson is in Little League now. And, and I'm reminded of when my son was in Little League. And, man, sometimes I'd see dads, and the way they would speak to their kids just would grieve me. Because here they are, just little kids. They're not professional athletes. And the father was like living vicariously through them. Why weren't you swinging? How come you didn't slide? Why didn't you? And it's like, give the kid a break. He's nine years old, man. And you could see it all over their face. The game was no longer fun. They were miserable. Because their father, sometimes their mothers, would be frustrating them, provoking them to anger. And parents... Man, we can't frustrate our children when it comes to the things of God. Let God be God in their lives. Let God be true in their lives. Let them experience God. Let them seek God. Let them experience how good God is, to taste and see for themselves how good God is. Okay, four quick points to discipline. Uh, discipline in love, not anger. Amen, man. Altar call time, right? 
maybe sometimes we ourselves need to just calm down before we bring the rod of correction into their lives, right? In love. Discipline should be equal to the offense. Don't ground them for three years, man, because they got a, you know, a bad mark on the report card. Take away the video games for a week or whatever until they bring it up, but you got to give them hope, all right? You, you can't give them that 25 to life sentence for a misdemeanor. Discipline should be consistent, okay? You can't say, look, it, today I got to come down hard on you because you did this, and, but next week, yeah. And discipline should be to restore and not to destroy. That's what God does with us when he disciplines us, when he uh, um, brings correction into our lives. It's to restore us. It's not to destroy us. And lastly, uh, it, uh, parents, uh, it's going to take you working together. It's going to take teamwork. All right? There was an uh, elementary-aged uh, child, and he was given a questionnaire. And the questionnaire has a homework assignment. It read this. It says, who is your hero? And the child wrote, my dad. And it says, why is this person your hero? And he says, because he is brave. And it says, is there anyone or anything your hero is afraid of? And he said, mom. <laughs> right? So this child understood, man, which parent to butter up and which parent not to mess around with, right? And that's what children will do. It's called divide and conquer. They'll go to mom and say, dad said I could do this. Okay, go ahead. And then later on when mom is saying, you said that he could do that. I never said he could run with knives. It's, you got to be on the same team. You got to be on the same team. And uh, uh, the enemy, he also uses that strategy of divide and conquer. And the reason is, is because parents, you're the first line of defense in that home. The enemy will try to assault your children. There's a strategy against your children. Turn on the news and you can see what those strategies are. You don't have to mention them even right now. You see the assaults that come against their minds. You see the assaults that have come against their lives. And God has raised you up, parents, to be that first line of defense in your child's life. You're that covering that he's provided to keep them from the enemy's attacks. Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And what it's saying is, is that per third person there in this is the Holy Spirit, and he's there to help you and teach you and encourage you when it comes to raising your children, when it comes to being that covering of God for them. See, God has a plan and a destiny for your child. He's got a calling upon your child, and God knows what it is. He might have given you an insight. He might have given you a, a preparation of what your child is going to be doing, but there is a call, and there is a destiny in your child's life, and the Bible says that the enemy, his strategy is to steal, kill, and to destroy God has an abundant life for them. And so, parents, the decisions that you make in serving God, they don't just affect you. They affect your children. And one thing my wife and I have always, always kept in mind is that whatever decision we're going to make is how does it affect our kids and our kids' destiny? That's why we wait on God. And that's why we allow God to move. And when he moves, then we move. 
What we do need to be doing, though, is we need to be daily praying for our children. Job did that for his children. The Bible says he would get up early and pray for his children, even offer sacrifices. And as parents, uh, we need to be constantly keeping our children in prayer and constantly bringing them before the throne of God, whether our children are young or adolescent or teenage or even grown adults. I pray, I think, more now for my grown children than I did for when they were smaller, believe it or not. Pray for their protection, that God will keep them from the seductions of the enemy in the world. Pray that they develop a deep relationship with God. And when God starts drawing them into deep waters, tell them to pray. Pray that they'd seek forgiveness and repentance and to have a sensitive heart to the Holy Spirit. Pray that they see the value in serving God. Don't go home and complain about ministry. Don't go home and complain about uh, ushering in the parking lot or you know, having to stay late. Be, count it a joy and a blessing so that your children would want to follow instead of saying, oh, wait, uh-uh. That they would see the value in serving, value of ministry. Pray that the decisions that they make line up with God's word and pray for their spouses if they're married, pray for their children, and pray for their future spouses if they're not married. An uh, older gentleman told me, Manny, the best thing that you can do for your kids is to love their mother. That was the advice that he gave me. And what he was telling me was, Manny, maintain your marriage. Parents, maintain your love for one another. Maintain that marriage. Continue to fall in love with each other. And let your children see an example of a righteous, godly marriage. Not a perfect marriage, because there aren't any perfect marriages. But a marriage uh, where the couple, where the mom and the dad uh, might not agree but can come to an agreement. Uh, where they might disagree, uh, might even uh, see some sparks flying, but they, they don't get personal. They deal with the issue. They resolve the issue and they move forward. That's the example that you set, uh, and that's the example that they'll follow when they get married. In closing, as our worship team comes up. Parents, what an awesome responsibility that we have, huh? What a blessing, too. I tell you, I was raised by a single mother who did the very best that she could. And she was raised by a single mother. And she did the best that she could. And I saw the, 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 the struggles that she went through. And, and I know what it feels like to not have a father in the home. And so... I was nervous to become a dad, but I was excited. And being a father and now a grandfather has probably been the greatest joy and greatest privilege and greatest blessing of my life. One of them, I have many. Being married, being saved. And those blessings, man, those blessings are hard fought. I'll tell you that right now. Because we've done some battles. We stayed up some late nights. Uh, but I wouldn't trade it for the world, to be quite honest with you. And what a privilege that God has allowed uh, my wife and I to, to raise uh, three beautiful children and, and now seeing, seeing grandchildren. But parents, don't give up. Keep going forward. Because maybe you might have a child that's a prodigal. Maybe you might have a child right now that is struggling in their walk with God. Maybe you might have a child right now that is just uh, wants nothing to do with the things of God. The theme throughout our Mother's Day testimonies, almost every single one of them ladies, keep going forward. Don't give up. Don't give in. 
you were looking at individuals that knew the price it, they had to pay to see their children blessed and to be blessed. The calluses uh, on their knees, uh, the endless nights, the, and the waking up early in the morning, petitioning God to have mercy on their child. Because they didn't give up, you could see how blessed their children are and even their grandchildren are now. That's the covering that they were providing over their loved ones, the covering, the hedge of protection that they were interceding for, for their children. Don't give up. Don't give up. Parent, don't give up. Your child is depending on you. And they might not want anything to do with the things of God, but they're depending on you to not give up. The book of Malachi, as I close with this, verse 4, or chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day the Lord comes. Verse 6, it says, He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of their children to their parents. It says, Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. God's saying here, man, that there's, there's coming that healing. There's coming that reconciliation. There's coming that, that refreshing. Sometimes, and I know how it feels, that sometimes uh, parents and children cannot see eye to eye to, on, on a lot of things. There can be some headbutting. There gets to be some disagreements. Uh, but don't lose your love. Don't lose your compassion. Don't be frustrated. Give those things to God. And allow God to, whatever he's going to do in your child's life, he's going to do it in grace and in love because of the covering you're providing because of your service to God. And don't take it personal. Don't take it personal when they're yelling and, I hate you, you're not my dad. I remember years ago, this lady told my wife and I, she said, look it, there are no perfect parents. There's only one perfect parent that was God the Father and his children still rebelled against him. And you know what? That brought some comfort. A little bit. Because we were still going through it. But it kept reminding me, we're going through it. We're not done. We're going to get to the other side. And so are you. Parents, God bless you. With your heads bowed tonight and your eyes closed in reverence to God.